This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and it's Tuesday morning, so I am joined by Cousin Sal. Sal, what's going on, man? What's happening, buddy? Where are you right now? I don't recognize you without the basketball over your right shoulder. It doesn't seem right. right. I miss that basketball. I feel like Tom Hanks in Castaway. That's my Wilson. I just want to be next to it. It's my Mm -hmm. best friend. But unfortunately, (laughs) I'm in Seattle, um, and I went to go see the Seahawks play the Panthers, my beloved Panthers this weekend. Got to see Andy Dalton in person. He did all he could, Cousin (laughs) Sal. But the Seahawks came away, and they covered, and they got the win. Beautiful stadium. Great fans. Uh, Shout out to Seattle. It's a a great city. And it rained, Sal, so I feel like I got the whole experience. It was great. I was in Seattle uh, this summer. I I had a connection, and I had my son at the uh, All-Star game shag balls for the Home Run Derby. So that was fun. But, yeah, so many many nice grunge museums and everything, and you had to be stuck watching Andy Dalton. That's a shame. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. But Andy, you know, he played pretty great. And Bryce Young, I saw him on the sideline in a jumpsuit. So at least I saw the number one pick in person. (laughs) And Pete Carroll was going crazy. So I got some stories for the future. But let's talk about the now. Let's talk about the here and present. Let's talk about Monday Night Football because we just watched two games. We'll start with the first game that we watched. We had the Philadelphia Eagles coming down to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers were trying to live on a dream. The Baker Mayfield redemption story. We'll talk about that a little bit. But let's just talk about this game first the Eagles dominated Sal and it all started with the Zacchaeus touchdown on a magnificent throw from Jalen Hurts and then from there it was all downhill yeah that was ridiculous he had about 37 seconds in the pocket to throw that (laughs) ball and uh really I don't want to say it comes easy for him but it really does and he makes it look easy too and the Eagles kind of just did what they did and it helped that I picked the Bucks to upset the Eagles so they had that chip on their shoulder, but you're right. They, they stomped on him. First downs, 27 to 12. They wore him down 12 rushing first downs to one for Tampa Bay. They really never let them back in the game, ran all over them and kind of ran the clock out typical Eagles fashion. That's kind of why they're the class of the uh, conference right now. Yeah, absolutely. And Jalen Hurts, I mean, one of the the worst plays of the night for him was an interception, a a great interception for Tampa Bay. They get it on the two-yard line. It ends up leading to a safety and Philadelphia get the ball back. So uh, it was just one of those nights for Tampa Bay and for Baker Mayfield. Let's talk about the NFC East right now because if well, we track- I just well, I'm sorry. Let me just uh, the DeAndre is the Swift we should be talking about. By okay. the way, 16 yeah. rushes, 130 yards. By the way, he has the voice of an angel. So and he won't charge you 3,700 dollars to uh, to listen to him either. So De- DeAndre Swift, more DeAndre, less Taylor. I know we're going to talk about uh, Taylor, but go ahead, go go into your uh, the NFC East here. Oh, I hate it- this discussion because now I have to bring up my Cowboys. 
Yeah, I'm sorry about that, but I will say the Swift and Kelsey we all need is in Philadelphia, and right now they are the favorites to win the NFC East at minus 155. The Cowboys right now are at plus 165, and then the Commanders and the Giants, they're pretty much out of the equation at this point. What are your thoughts, Sal, on the fact that the Eagles are, you know, the prohibitive favorites right now in that conference or in that division? Well, you know, they were about minus 130 going into the season. Favorite Cowboys were about plus 115, and then it, like, even tightened up a little bit as the Cowboys' defense uh, rose to the occasion the first two games, and now that loss to Arizona like kind of widens things a little bit, and uh, the Eagles dominating performance tonight. But I think the odds makers are a little afraid to make the Cowboys anything more than plus 165 at this point. I'm not saying they're playing possum. They still have injuries. They still have a, a coach who you can't believe in, and we don't know what to think of Dak Prescott. But they are, you know, 12 wins the last two years. I think they're going to get 10 plus again. So. Plus 165, although, you know, I'm a little down on them right now. I think that's a decent number for the Cowboys. Absolutely. And then when you look at the division or, you know, the conference, obviously, with the NFC there, you you have a conversation, right? We have two undefeated teams in the NFC. We have the 49ers. We have the Eagles. If you just had to close your eyes right now, Sal, and say this team is going to end up winning the NFC of those two, is it one of those two teams or is it someone outside of those two undefeated teams? All right, let me try it. Let me close my eye. Yeah, yeah, let's see how it goes. What are you seeing? I'm trying to think how long I can make you wait without saying anything. I think the 49ers and Chiefs in the Super Bowl, so I'm going to stick with that. There's no, I don't see any uh, a lot of cracks um, in San Francisco's, you know, what, what they have to offer here. Thursday night, they pummeled the Giants, and uh, they, they kind of play a similar brand of football to the Eagles. And, of course, we'd like to see that again, maybe, if you're not a Cowboys fan. Uh, in the championship game uh, without, you know, seven quarterbacks going out on the 49ers side, make it a fair fight. Yeah. Let's make it a fair fight this time around. I like that. Uh, one other thing uh, what we want to talk about, you know, just about this game, Baker Mayfield, like I said, two and O coming to this game. There's a lot of people that were hot on him, uh, you know, winning comeback player of the year. And then <laughs> let's track to the future here. Let's pull up those odds for comeback player of the year. If you look at it, DeMar Hamlin is still the favorite, even though he is not playing. I don't know if you can win comeback player of the year. If you don't play that'll be a conversation point, but he's at minus one Oh five right now Two attack of a low is at plus one forty. Baker Mayfield, uh, uh, going into this game was plus 1800 probably going to slide down after yeah. this performance but do you think Tua is the best bet here so yeah well baker yeah not not doing himself any favors with 146 passing yards uh, 15 completions against an eagles defense that allowed 300 plus passing yards to opposing quarterbacks their first two games so he's probably out of the conversation you're right, Tate. I, I thought the sentiment would be a hundred percent towards Demar Hamlin, even though that's going to be you know, a year and a couple of games removed by the time they vote on something like this. But you're right in saying the the word play is in player of the year and Hamlin is going to have to suit up eventually. Yeah, two is a great number. What did you say? What did you say he was at? Plus 140 for Tua right now. Yeah, it's not bad. If you go to a plus 140, you know, again, it's all about him making it to the, to the finish line and staying healthy, and it is for any quarterback. But the rules are such that they're geared towards Tua and, and keeping him out if anything happens to his head or anything close to it. So um, I like, you know, the MVP number is low. I think it's like plus 360. But the plus 140 for comeback player of the year, I don't even know that he'd have to play the whole season to get that, whereas the MVP he would. So not a bad number for Tua. 
Yeah, the next number on the board there is TJ Watt at plus 1,400. And then you got Matthew, Matt Stafford, obviously, at plus 1,600. And let's talk about Stafford. Let's talk about the second game, Monday Night Football. We got, obviously, the Rams going up to Cincinnati. Cincinnati goes for the all-white uniforms. They are trying their best to get a win. And uh, the good news for Cincinnati fans is that not only did Joe Burrow play like Joe Burrow, at least, you know, at some moments in this game, but Jamar Chase looked like Jamar Chase, and Cincinnati gets their first win of the season. Yeah, Burrow was a tough watch early on, right? Obviously favoring Absolutely. that calf. And, you know, he at one point he was 13 for 23 for 150 yards. I'm like, oh, boy, those are the stats of 27 quarterbacks we've seen in the league uh, every every week, um, especially in those early 1 o'clock games. But, yeah, he picked it up. His receivers didn't do him a lot of favors. Higgins kind of dropped a couple passes, but ended up with respectable numbers, 26 for 49, 259. He claims – the calf wasn't aggravated. Um, I think he did seem to get a little stronger as the game went on. I think they only dumped him two times, uh, so that helped. But big win for the Bengals. Interesting clock management at the end for McVay, but I'll let you talk about the Bengals first before we get to McVay. Yeah, we could see we could have some good talk, right? We can talk about some positive things here on the show. I did think it was nice. I saw it practice this week. The owner of the Bengals, you know, went and picked up Joe Burrow in his golf cart. Yeah. And he kind of drove him around, right? We all saw that video. And I don't know what he said to Joe Burrow, but I think he said you're gonna have to throw the ball 50 times this week for us to get the win. And Joe <laughs> Burrow said, I can do that for you. And he and he got it done. So um just looking ahead a little bit about the Bengals and, and their playoffs, you know, the, the futures for them to be able to make the playoffs. Let's track to the future here. Uh, the Browns number to make the playoffs is plus 170. Ravens are at plus 145. Now we don't have the official numbers up right now for Cincinnati, but it's probably around two to one, maybe like plus 190, plus 210, somewhere in that range. Do you think that's a good bet to, to bet on Joe Burrow getting things together and getting this team back to the playoffs? Oh man. Um, you know, I'm I'm on the Browns this year. And, you know, the, the thing is all different reasons you would take any of those teams, right? Joe Burrow when healthy is the best quarterback on those three teams the the browns right. what they're doing defensively is insane like 3.2 um yards per play like it, it's it's you haven't seen it in like 20 years and the ravens are the ravens like uh they blew a winnable game against the colts but you have to think because of their regular season success in the past and what john harbaugh has put together they're going to be right there too so if i have to pick three one of those Three teams. I'm going to go Browns. What'd you say? Plus 175 or something in there? Yeah, Browns plus 170 to make the playoffs. 170. That's. A, I don't want to touch the Bengals just yet. I really don't. I know they escaped that game with a win. They didn't quite cover uh, the Rams. McVay, uh, with, with six minutes left and a running clock and one timeout, decided to punt because it looked like he wanted to lose by three and uh, didn't care about winning the game. I'm kidding, of course, except that this has happened two weeks in a row for McVay. He gets the nice push. Don't trust the Bengals just yet, Tate. Out of those three, I would go Browns. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's talk about the Rams a little bit because there was some, you know, there was some good storylines in this game. Puka Nakua, right? Mm -hmm. He had a moment again and also had five receptions in this game. So Rams fans were excited to see that. They were also excited to see Matthew Stafford at times in this game and other times he struggled a little bit. But even running the ball late in this game, when they get down to the goal line after that Puka Nakua big catch late in this game, and you, you heard the broadcaster saying, why are you running the ball right now? Yeah. Why are you running clock? Are we worried about some of the clock management with Sean McVay? Like, what's going on here, Sal? I really don't know. I don't want to accuse him of anything. He's a nice guy. We met him. Tate, you were with us. We were right. Jimmy Kimmel Live. We were in the dressing great. room. It was nothing but pleasant. And uh, but it is weird how it's coming down to the wire. And by the way, 
you really take that element out of the game when you're talking, we'll go back to the Eagles on, you know, any fourth and one, any fourth and two, that's when a coach is criticized the most. The Eagles don't have to worry about that at all because they have that push play, right? right. Like how nice is that to have that in your arsenal? I hate it as a Cowboys fan because we can't employ it into uh, any, any level of success and the Eagles do, but it really is what, what a, what a gift it is for a coach to not have to worry about a fourth and one fourth and two play when all these other coaches are maligned for getting it wrong. Yeah. And absolutely. I mean, in that game, Jalen hurts the one time he didn't take the push, right. He pulled out of it. It was almost like right. a fake version of it. He tripped over, uh, you know, his receiver's feet. So it's better just to accept the push, let the people complain, get the touchdown and move on with your life. So uh, that's our advice to you, Sean McVay. Like you said, Sal, <laughs> he's a great guy. Uh, another great guy on this Rams team, which is fascinating, Aaron Donald, which uh, a lot of people thought that maybe Joe Burrow wouldn't drop back as much in this game because he's going up against a guy in Aaron Donald who's an absolute dominant force. So let's track to the future right now as we look at the NFL Defensive Player of the Year uh, you know, odds right now. Micah Parsons with the Cowboys, he's the favorite at plus 210. But Aaron Donald right now is at plus 4,000, which seems unheard of when you talk about that award and him still being able to play you know, at the peak of his powers. What are our thoughts about Aaron Donald's, those odds right now, and just that, you know, that award in general, Sal? Well, first of all, I think he got rooked. I, I feel like he was in on two or two and a half sacks. I think he only got officially credited with one. Um, you secondly, John four, Stockton statistician, right? Where they, yeah, they right. a couple <laughs> extra assists. Yeah. Something's very strange. Something very strange on that side. But yeah. Uh, and, you know, Micah Parsons, we established he's the best defensive player of all time, this right. side or any side of um, Lawrence Taylor. But with that said, there might be guys with better stats and 40 to one for Aaron Donald. For defensive player of the year, this guy double digit sacks every year, really in the last six, except for last year when he only played 11 games, right? He probably would have had double digit stats uh, sacks uh, had he played a full boat. So I wouldn't count him out if this team does well, by the way, they were a five and 12 team. I know they lost on Monday night, but I think they're going to be better than five wins, and it's going to be because of a guy like Aaron Donald if he stays healthy. 40 to 1 is too high. Yeah, 40 to 1 is a great number for Aaron Donald, and I would not bet against him. Another name I want to throw out there, we mentioned the Browns defense. Miles Garrett at plus 400. I think there's some value there. I know Micah Parsons is the prohibitive favorite right now, but I think Miles Garrett has looked incredible on the D-line and obviously a former number one pick, so he knows what he's doing. So another name I wanted to throw out there, Sal. Anything else quickly before we uh, we throw to a break here, Sal? Uh, you know, how you feeling? I'm excited. We're, we're here. Year. we're back we're getting things going um are you ready for the line look ahead so we, we we got that coming on the other side of the break are you fired up let's look ahead i mean you know cowboys are going to beat up on the patriots and then simmons could be sniffling and crying and sobbing oh, through man. the uh, podcast on sunday night i look forward to it yeah we'll come back and we'll do some over under reactions and look at those lines Welcome back to Through the Ringer. I am still here on a Monday night in Seattle, and I am with the great cousin Sal. Sal, it's great to be back, and we get to play one of my favorite games, which is over slash under reactions, where I give you, you know, a statement that we get from Sunday, and we say, Sal, is that an overreaction or yeah. underreaction? Are you down for this? Are yeah, you it's not that complicated. I get it. I think everybody gets it. 
Yeah, we get it. Yeah, it's not that hard. Let's start with your beloved Dallas Cowboys because oh no, now it's complicated. Yeah, now it's getting really complicated. And uh, let's start there. So here I'm going to give you a statement, Sal. So the Cowboys can't win a Super Bowl this year without Diggs on the field. Is that an overreaction or an underreaction? Oh man, this is tough because I'm not sure that they would be able to win a Super Bowl with him on the field. So (laughs) I'm going to say it's uh. Uh, you know what? It's an underreaction. And Mm -hmm. I know people are going to go crazy on me because I went off on Micah Parsons being the greatest player since and before Lawrence Taylor. And they're like, well, you know, if he's the greatest defender, why would you miss dig so much? 18 interceptions in less than three seasons. It's going to take its toll. Quarterbacks know not to throw his way. And by the way, Lawrence Taylor had some greats around him too. Leonard Marshall, Jim Burt, uh, Harry Carson, a couple of those guys in the hall of fame. So you need you need the mix, right, to make it work. So I, I think this is a good regular season team. I didn't have high hopes for them to make the Super Bowl anyway, and uh, this this puts a big crimp in the style anyway. Yeah, Micah Parsons was talking about throwing darts at Dobbs, and uh, that was not the case, so we can move on from that. But the Dallas Cowboys, I think that's a very fair and valid uh, you know, reaction right there from you, Sal, so I appreciate that. Next one, have, yeah, next one I have for you, are the Packers better without Aaron Rodgers? Is that an overreaction or an underreaction? Um. Well, it's uh, the Packers better without our, it's an underreaction. I think he would be terrible for them right now. I mean, he'd have limited mobility. He'd probably get sacked almost every play. You I mean Aaron Rodgers that. from last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I got gotcha. you. Aaron okay. Rodgers from the past. <laughs> let, let's jump in the quantum field and find him from the past. I see. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I think they could be better. I, I don't think it's an overreaction. What would they have to get to eight and nine, do better than eight and nine? But I'm not one who's in love with the Packers this year. I kind of think they got lucky. They beat the Bears which seems less and less impressive as the weeks go on. They lost to the Falcons. And then on Sunday, they lost to the Saints, a winnable game for the Saints, missed a makeable field goal, and their quarterback went out with an injury. So, you know, they could easily be one and two, this Packers team, but are they better without Rodgers? I think they're about the same, but if all they have to do is beat eight and nine, sure, I could say they're better. I think they just have better feelings, right? They just, they're happy that their quarterback wants to be there. And uh, his last name is love. So I think they're an EL kind of team. Everybody love everybody. So there you go. Uh, I think the Packers have good vibes. We love to see that Uh, next up for you, Sal, the dolphins are a historically great NFL offense. Is that an overreaction or underreaction? 70 points this weekend. Well, people, you know, I think it's an overreaction right now. They're a great offense for yesterday. Great offense for September Um, yesterday or Sunday. They could have scored. They probably could have scored 84 points or something. They put right. up 70. I think they put up what they do against the Chargers, 36, and then mm-hmm. 24 against New England. So a pretty good September. We're going to be able to tell if this is an all-time great offense against the Bills, who uh, played the SmackDown on Washington on Sunday with nine sacks. So I think, listen, you got all the parts. It's running through Tua. You got Mostert and HN, and then Waddle wasn't even in. And, of course, Tyreek Hill. So if those pieces stay healthy, it could be one of the historically greatest offenses. But right now, I'm not ready to pull the plug on that. Well, we talked about the good in that game. Let's talk about the bad and the ugly. Let's talk about the Broncos. So I got another mm-hmm. one for you. Sean Payton's Broncos run will end worse than Urban Meyer's run in Jacksonville. Let's hope he stays, stays out of bars in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, man. Yeah, you're right. The, his run ended with an illegal use of the hands, right? In a bar in Ohio. What Was it his <laughs> right. bar? Yeah. yeah. I think that was a yard penalty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, it was actually a banishment from the league. No, I don't think anything could end as bad as uh, Urban Meyer right right now for Sean Payton. In fact, I think he might just quit on the team if anything happened. You know, let, let's not forget Urban Meyer, terrible record with that Jaguars team. And he kicked his own kicker. 
right? Mm-hmm. That's not that's that's tough to top for Sean Payton. So I think it's an overreaction to say that Alain as bad for Sean Payton, but boy, it's not looking good. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Sean Payton might punt Russell Wilson out of that building at some point, but we'll yeah. see what happens there. Uh, next up for you, the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota is officially over. Overreaction or underreaction? Sam? No, take no. It's a, it's just wrong. You could look in the pay. He's starting on Sunday. It's not over. He's playing. He's actually playing for the team. I know what you're saying. Uh, they could trade for him. They're already talking about trade. Oh, trade him to the Jets. It's a it's a it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to play for the Jets and turn that team around. I took the Vikings to make the playoffs. I'm not looking good right now. If they go zero and four, it'll be terrible. They've lost three one score games after winning all their one score games last year but i think nine and eight can make the playoffs and for that reason kirk cousins stays in minnesota at least through the end of the year yeah i think the dream is still alive as much as uh maybe the new york jets fans want to see kirk cousins come to new york so that that's a whole separate conversation last one for you sal over under reaction we need more taylor swift cutaways and nfl games obviously the swifties are very fired up this weekend Oh, of course we need more cutaways. Are you kidding me? That is an underreaction. I mean, as it was the other day, we actually got to see Patrick Mahomes take some snaps. I don't know why the camera wasn't on that luxury box suite the whole time. Like, who doesn't want to see her eating chicken fingers dipped in ranch? Um, no, I think it was fine for one week, but it's going to start getting annoying. So I think that's an overreaction. We can cut cut down on the cutaways. Yeah, I don't even know if we're going to see Taylor Swift at a football game again, but I'm glad that we got all the shots possible this weekend. So shout out to all the Swifty fans. And that leads us to the Riverboat prop of the week. Uh, The captain came in and he came calling and he asked us, what would be the best celebrity sighting in a player's luxury suite? Uh, We have the odds right in front of us, Sal. First up, we got Beyonce, two to one. We got Barbie, Margot Robbie, five to one. We got Lauren Boebert, uh, 10 to one. Mm. And we got Britney Spears at 20 to one. The field is even. I ask you that question sal what's what is what would be the best celebrity Mm. sighting for you boy those are some great choices obviously beyond beyonce is tough to top i mean britney would just be you know uh, dancing tiktok dancing videos the whole time uh lauren bobert lauren bobert if if she was like in jerry jones's box and it was just the two of them that would break the internet into a zillion pieces right yeah and uh, I, i don't think they would have to show the game if that were the case, nobody would care, but I'm going to go off the board and take the field and say, Giselle Bunchen. I still think she's a celebrity and I don't know, Tate, help me out here. If she was in Jimmy G's celebrity uh, wow. uh, luxury box or Mac Jones, which is better or bill Belichick. I mean, bill Belichick's luxury box would be the best. Right. And then they take off in a Corvette into the sunset at uh, post game. I don't think anything beats that. And they said they've been in love this entire time. It's right. one of those in love stories that we all love to see in this world. I think that's a great pick. Um, I'm also going to go off the board with this one, Sal. I'm going to take Nathan Fielder. Um, he's going to go with the even <laughs> odds there. I think Nathan Fielder in any box would just be comedy. We saw him in a Mets playoff that game last year, and he was very frustrated and very upset about being on camera. So <laughs> if uh, Nathan Fielder's in the box, I'll be happy about that. But there you go. The captain has the odds, and I'm sure a lot of people will have thoughts on this. But congratulations to Taylor Swift. She got the attention she wanted. Travis Kelsey's mom had a great weekend it seemed like and uh you know it was good for football even though we didn't even show any football highlights we just showed taylor swift but there you go the captain has that one settled all right sal let's do something fun here let's go to line look ahead we finally figured out um how to get this going so let's start with the best game of the weekend (laughs) we talked about the team that scored 70 points the dolphins are they historic they're going to go up to buffalo the bills are favored by two and a half points in this game what do you see in this one sal do you think buffalo can handle business I think they can handle business. People think this is too hefty a line after that 70-point performance 
by the Dolphins, but I think it's it's just right. In fact, I would have made it three. That would have scared off a lot of Bills betters, but uh, two and a half is more than fair. Um, listen, you have to consider history here, and the Dolphins haven't beaten the Bills. They've lost nine out of the last 10. I think the last time they won there in uh, Buffalo, Tua was in high school. He wasn't even sure if he was a lefty or righty at that point. So I think two and a half is right, right on the number there, and I'm not like everybody else running to take the Dolphins just yet. Mm, yeah, I like that bet there. And I also think that everyone's a little too high on the Dolphins right now. So that's a good one. Next up, we got the Lions going to Green Bay. Uh, Packers got uh, one and a half points here at home. What do you think about Jordan Love in this game? And do you like the Lions coming off a win against the Falcons? I do like the Lions. I think they're the better team. I think this is the first time they're favored in Green Bay. I mean, think about all the quarterbacks they had to go against in Green Bay. It's been all, almost two decades uh, like I said earlier, Jordan Love, not my favorite, still has something to prove in my eyes. This is the Thursday night game. Um, it's the one and a half line. Simmons and I talked about this. We don't know what to call it. The four to five and a half is the Vegas zone. The one and a half has been shifting on Sunday. Whoever's favored by one and a half seems to be the underdog by one and a half. I don't know. Maybe help us come up with a, a name for this. Is it the Reno zone? I saw some people suggest or uh, the Tic Tac zone. Tic Tacs famously have one and a half calories. So it could be that. Yeah. I like Pahrump Nevada, right? So maybe the Pahrump Ooh. zone. Yeah, there you go. I I, I know that you had the uh, the the degenerate Hall of Fame there, so maybe we can check in and, and see if we can get the naming rights of this zone. I like that one. Um, I also think yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the Lions are the better better football team, but they can figure out that run game on yeah. first and second down. I think that'll be the difference for that team. All right, Sal. Next game, we're going to go to London. The we home. are. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, okay. I see what you figuratively. You know what I mean. I wish yeah. we were literally, but maybe one day Bill Simmons will. You know, <laughs> it's his birthday, so maybe he'll give us. You know. Maybe it's one of those things he gives us a gift on his The birthday. best you could do is Seattle on a Monday night. I'm sorry, Tate. You're not going to London. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah, right. So here we go. We got Falcons and Jaguars. The Jags are the home team here, and they are favored. They got three points in this game. Do we think the Falcons can go over to London and get a win? Yeah, I mean, it, they're kind of giving them the full boat in terms of a, a home field advantage spread-wise, right? That's what you do with two even teams. You favor the home team by three. It's been a little less over the last few years. Uh, maybe they think Jaguars are better than the Falcons, but it's hard to even tell that Jaguars offense just might not be that good. And I'm not convinced that Desmond Ritter is good. I'm very negative about a lot of these quarterbacks, only about 25 of them in the NFL Tate. But as far as Jacksonville is concerned, they stay another week. They've been to uh, London a lot, probably more than, um, uh, who's the, the crazy chef that yells at everybody. They've been there Gordon a lot. Ramsey. Yes. Gordon Ramsey. Yeah. There you they, go. They, yeah. probably established residency there. So uh, I am going to go. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair number. I'm going to have a tutorial on how to uh, bet this game and not drive your um, mate, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend crazy because you have to wake up, especially on the West Coast, at 630 in the morning and catch this. So check that out on Cousin Sal's winning weekend. I can't wait. And uh, also, people forget this. Last year, the Jags looked terrible against the Texans, and then they ended up making the playoffs. So I do right. believe that the Jaguars, later in the season, Doug Peterson might start calling plays. So there's some room for improvement if you still believe in the Jags, especially if you're a fan in London. All right, let's keep it going. This is what Bill Simmons, uh, he was saying on Guest Alliance. This is the poop facta. I'm not mm -hmm. sure that's the official term for this game, but we have the Denver Broncos going to the Chicago Bears. Bears getting three and a half points in this game. What do you see here, Sal? And uh, will our eyes be burning as we watch this football game? Well, they don't have to. You don't have to watch it. That's what's beautiful about this game. They show like uh, 55 games at a time. But um, yeah, this is a tough one. We talked about 
uh, Sean Payton, Eberflus. Uh, talk about these two, one of them being the first coach fired, obviously both 0-3, and, and the fact that the Bears are catching points at home against a team that just gave up 70, just allowed 70 points, is pretty disgusting, Tate. I like Justin Fields, but I don't think they went with the right guy, and that's kind of what the Bears do. They just keep going with the wrong guy over and over, so I am not betting this game. I am not burning my eyes uh, like you might, too. Yeah, I uh, I cannot imagine uh, going into this game, getting excited about this game. I hope Justin Fields is able to find his footing at some point. But yeah, the Bears and the Broncos are stay away. Sean Payton is not happy. He was very short with reporters after that game, after giving up 70 points. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot to dissect there and a lot of best to be made on first coach fired. We can talk about that at a later date. Let's talk about a fun game. We got Bill Simmons, Patriots taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Oh. Cowboys. Minus seven at home coming off a loss against the Cardinals. How do you feel about your Cowboys in this game against Mac Jones? This is going to be dirty Mac is what they're calling him. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. What is it? Dak, Mac, or Zach F F Mary kill Dak, Mac or Zach. What would you do Tate? Forget it. You don't have to answer that. Uh, Take me out. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to do this. uh, I guess the lines podcast with Simmons, obviously if the Cowboys blow this, but I do worry about bill Belichick having a better plan uh, defensively than even Arizona did against the Cowboys, but hopefully that offensive line will be a little more intact. Uh, the running, they, they won't be able to gouge them running with Stevenson and Zeke. Oh man, how terrible that would be if Zeke did that to us, jumping oh, in the uh, Salvation Army bucket and everything, rubbing it in our face, uh, spinning the soup. I wouldn't like it, but seven seems like a fair number. Yeah, it seems like the right number. It also feels like there could be a Zeke redemption game, but I'm not really buying it. I like where your head's at. I think I think Dallas handles handles business in the end. Uh, last game, Sal, before we get out of here, we mm-hmm. got the Baltimore Ravens, who just lost the Colts in overtime, going to take on the Cleveland Browns, who uh, Deshaun Watson has not looked great by any means, but that defense looks incredible. Browns, uh, two and a half points they're laying at home against the Ravens. How do we feel about this game? I love this Browns team. Tate, we watched that Brown Steelers game together, and I thought they got rooked a little bit. You know, I mean, not rooked by the refs or anything, but, you know, obviously Chubb went down and they started the game with a pick six. It wasn't good and came back and really should have won that game. This defense, you could talk all you want about the Dolphins offense, and you should. This this Browns defense is spectacular. Three straight games where they allowed fewer than 10 first downs for the opposing offense. I like the Browns in this spot, and I think two and a half is a fair number. Yeah, I like that as well. And uh, this Browns defense, I mean, they're immaculate. So if you have not watched them, it was even in the first game, you could see signs of it against Joe Burrow. Miles Garrett's like putting the ball between his legs like he's playing basketball on sacks, Mm -hmm. doing some of the most ridiculous spin moves you've ever seen. So in general, that D-line is monstrous. So shout out to the Browns. That'll be a fun game to watch. I'm hoping, you know, Lamar shows some life in this game as well. Um, Sal, it's going to be a fun week four. I can't believe we're already in week four. Where can we find all your amazing work? Obviously, we know about Cousin Sal's winning weekend on Fridays, Ringer Wise Guys on Sunday. Um, is yeah. that and then obviously against all odds as well? Yeah, that's it. And then probably after this week, I'm going to retire because enough's enough, <laughs> Dave, right? It's a good, we put in a good month. You're doing all the great work and uh, <laughs> we appreciate it here at the Ringer. Sal, thanks so much for being on Through the Ringer and we'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks, buddy. Welcome back to Through the Ringer, and I am very excited to bring him back on the show. You know him from Ringer Wise Guys or the podcast New York, New York. He is the great John Jastrzemski. JJ Bombs, how's it going, man? 
Tate, I love the kind introduction, my friend. I'm doing quite well. Uh, we've digested a whole lot of football. It's hard to believe week three is over, done with. Now we get ready for week four. And uh, I'm sure there are going to be some pressing questions you have for me regarding what's going on in Jetland. So I look forward to these. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about gangering. And, and uh, unfortunately, right now, we are not chanting J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Instead, we have Broadway Joe chanting, I've seen enough. And uh, he has seen enough of Zach Wilson playing the quarterback position for his beloved New York Jets. Let's start there, J.J. What can the Jets do about Zach Wilson? And they're, they're seemingly doubling down and saying he is our quarterback. So do you suspect that he will be the quarterback for the rest of the season for Gang Green? Okay, so a couple of things there. As far as the rest of the season, Tate, no, I'm not convinced because his play on the field is so pathetic. It is so subpar. You could have taken a good handful of backup quarterbacks across the NFL and you would have won that game Sunday against the New England Patriots. I mean, the lack of awareness, the lack of vision, the lack of growth that we've seen from the former second overall pick it has, to Joe Willie Namath's point, kind of reached that state of no return. And I, I think I was on with you in week one, right after the Aaron Rodgers injury, and I was like, look, for better or worse, the Jets went into this year with Zach Wilson as their backup. I know a lot of people are going to talk about quarterbacks they can bring in. Yes, they're at a point of desperation where, yeah, a guy off the street would be a better option than what they are running out there. That tells you everything you need to know about Zach Wilson. But the biggest mistake to me this regime made is when they acquired Aaron Rodgers, they should have cut their losses with Zach Wilson. Instead, they fed us this nonsense that you heard throughout Hard Knocks that I had to hear all summer. Oh, he's going to be revitalized. He's going to learn under Aaron. When he gets his chance to play, he's going to be a different quarterback. Well, he's getting his chance to play. We're seeing the exact same player. The Jets should have had a different backup quarterback at the start of the year. They should have followed the pattern, the path of what San Francisco did with Trey Lance. And take eight, the Jets right now are in dire straits, even though it's three weeks into this year. Yeah, and they have a division win, right? They beat the Bills in week one. Like you said, we had you on the show. We talked about that win. And now if you look at the, the futures for this team, they're plus 2,500 to win the AFC East. So that pretty much says that they are not going to win the AFC East unless something drastically changes. And that would be at the quarterback position. Now we've seen Matt Ryan, right? Former NFL MVP. He came out and said that he has no interest in the job. The pipe dream of Tom Brady. He says that that's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. But one of the other rumblings and rumors that seems to be circulating at this point is the idea of trading for Kirk Cousins, who is, uh, you know, an unrestricted free agent is a guy who's 0-3 right now, but seems to be playing some good football. Despite that, do you think there's a world where, you know, they make that move for Cousins for a mercenary type QB? with this defense and they try to make a run so it's complicated yeah in theory Tate it makes a lot of sense but that is assuming a couple of things here that's assuming the Minnesota Vikings are going to wave the white flag on their year when they don't have a behemoth in their division let's be real about this the Vikings don't have Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs they don't have a team as good as Buffalo or Miami or the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys they're in a Wide open division. Yeah, I like Detroit. Yeah, Green Bay has been solid so far. But, like, those teams are gettable and attainable. So are the Vikings, number one, saying sayonara to 2023? I'm not so sure about that. Number two, even if they do, here's the problem. The Jets, in order to go and get Kirk Cousins, 
they got to be relevant by then, Tate. You know what I mean? So they're one and three. What are two of their next three games? The Chiefs, Sunday night, they're going to be double-digit underdogs. Good luck trying to win that game. They go to Philadelphia. Here's a little history. The Jets in the history of the New York Jet franchise have never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. If you think this crop of Jets is going to go and beat that crop of Eagles, I don't see it. So at best, you're going to be two and four. So then you're two and four. Then maybe, who knows, you're three and five. Then do you reach a point where it's even worth the idea of giving up draft capital, eating up cap space, and bringing Kirk Cousins in? Are the Jets going to be worth it at that point? I'm not so sure. Yeah, and there's the other question. Uh, obviously, their star, their star quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, who went down, he talked about you know going back into the darkness to find Dawn to come back for this miraculous playoff run, right? He was going to heal faster than anyone. from. He already got surgery, right? He's 39 years old, but he says you know he, he is trying to unlock the Mamba mentality and things like this. Do we think there's a world in which you know Aaron Rodgers does all this work to heal himself, and then he comes back, and the Jets are completely out of the playoff race? I mean, what what does that even look like? Because I feel like there's a fairy tale that's being told, and then there's the reality of the situation. Hey, it's an Achilles injury. I know Aaron Rodgers is trying to paint a positive picture. There's not a chance in hell he's playing football this year. You mm-hmm. want to tell me, oh, the, the Jets all of a sudden you can have him on a field in February? Does anybody think the Jets right now are finding their way to January? Yet all in February, uh, don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it at all either. But it does feel like, uh, you know, you need to give Jets fans a little bit of hope right now. Um, obviously, you are not a Jets, fans, J- Jets fan, JJ, but you're in the city. You can kind of get the pulse of the nation. It felt like through hard knocks, through all, you know, the kind of the preseason stuff, the Jets had some nice momentum. What, what does it feel like right now when you talk to Jets fans? Is it just complete disgust with the reality that they're living in? Oh, 1,000%. Um, and it's angst and depression and sadness and all of these emotions combined into one. And and I would say, Tate, we all understood, I think anybody with any logic and anyone who dealt with any rationale would be aware of the fact that losing Aaron Rodgers was a major death blow to this season. But I think what has really turned off a whole lot of Jeff fans is this backing. And I know some people are going to say, well, what is Robert Salas supposed to do? And what is he supposed to say? regarding Zach Wilson, but this idea that he looks different, this idea that the game was on other elements, not just him, it's just total nonsense. Like, New Yorkers are smart. We, we see through that stuff. It's fake, and that, that sort of rhetoric that you're getting out of the organization, combined with the fact that they brought this kid back to begin with, that is where this coaching staff got to be careful because there are prideful guys on that team. They didn't want Zach Wilson last year. They wanted Mike White to be their quarterback. It goes rotten and sour for the Jets. Is this a locker room that turns on Robert Sala and quits on Robert Sala? I don't know the answer to that question, but that's something he has to be aware of. Yeah, and people start pointing the fingers quickly in New York City. We do know that. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about, you know, some good football with the Miami Dolphins and maybe a little bit more bad football with the New York Giants. All right, 
right, welcome back to Through the Ringer. I am still here with JJ, and now we get to talk about a fun topic, which is the Miami Dolphins football team who are looking electric and they're looking historic. Let's start there, JJ. What What is it like to watch this team as a fan and see them put up 70 points against Sean Payton and the Broncos this weekend? Well, Tate, it has me smiling ear to ear. As someone that had to sit through Joe Philbin, Adam Gaze, Ryan right. Tannehill, Chad Henney, Cleo Lemon, Having the track team that the Miami Dolphins have offensively, Mike McDaniel drawing up the plays. You got Tyree Kill. You got Raheem Mostert. You have the kid out of Texas A&M who hadn't even been able to get himself on the field until week three, and he goes for 200 yards. Take they scored 70 points. They could have broken an NFL record. They decided not to. And they didn't have Jalen Waddle. I mean, they didn't have one of the most dynamic receivers in all football. And they still put up 70 points. It's all about health, obviously. They got to keep two on the field. They got to keep Tyreek Hill on the field. But you're seeing a Miami Dolphin offense take it to the next level. They were fun to watch last year. They are a different speed. And they have a different even vibe about them. Just with the mastery Tua and the entire offense has in year two of Mike McDaniel's system. Yeah, and they had a chance to make history. They could have broken the record, uh, and they could have kicked a field goal to win this game, uh, 73-20. to 20. There was a decision made by the captains and Mike McDaniel to not kick it, to not make history. He said it was a very karmic move, right? They were trying to keep karma. I wanted to remind him that the record was set with, in 1940 with Chicago winning 73-0, to zero, so uh, or 72-0. to zero. So, I mean, at that time, they obviously did not care as much about sportsmanship. But that decision in and of itself, one, he was the ball boy for the Broncos back in the day, so maybe that had something to do with it. But what were your thoughts about the fact that Miami decided to stay away from history and just win the football game? Well, I got no problem with it. And listen, the Miami Dolphins scored plenty of points. And it's not like the Miami Dolphins kept Tua and kept Tyreek out there for four quarters. I mean, Mike White came into the game, Tate, and threw a 70-yard bomb to Robbie Anderson. And and make no mistake, because of the way Sean Payton ran his mouth in the offseason, which clearly turned off a lot of coaches. Mike Tomlin made this comment. Obviously, he went after Nathaniel Hackett, who we all know and we all understand did a lousy job in Denver, but it's just that sort of thing you don't say as a coach. But I'll tell you this, Sean Payton, a year ago, had the audacity to go on television and suggest that Tua would get benched for Teddy Bridgewater. Sean Payton, the analyst, might want to walk that back. If anything, that's where I think that 70 motivation came in from Tua and company. Let's show Payton. 70. Holy smokes, Tate. Crazy. I never thought I would see that. And Sean Payton, after the game, obviously was not happy about it. He was uh, a little terse and short with some reporters as they asked him about his feelings about being on the, the wrong side of a historic loss. Let's talk about the right side of the loss. Let's talk about Tua in general. Tua is moving up the MVP odds at this point. He's obviously, you know, a guy when you talk about comeback player of the year, his odds are at plus 140. We talked to Sal about that a little bit earlier. What are your thoughts on Tua and kind of what is the ceiling of Tua and this year and this team with this Dolphins uh, receiving core so Tate I've always been a Tua guy I loved him in college at Alabama I always thought he had the quick release he always was insanely accurate I always thought this narrative that he couldn't throw the deep ball now listen he's not going to throw a Josh Allen deep ball I understand that but I would see him chuck it deep at Alabama to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle at those guys and it wasn't a problem so this narrative that he couldn't throw deep I just thought was total nonsense and total crap and he has proven me correct over the last two years, listen, he's a Zen master in Mike McDaniel's system. 
He knows where he's going with the football. He's super precise. He's super confident. That's what you're seeing with Tua compared to what you saw in his first two years with Brian Flores, where they weren't mastering what he brings to the table. They were trying to run an offense that did not suit their quarterback in the least. And listen, he can go and win. There's no doubt in my mind. The biggest question I have with Tua, Tate, aside from even the concussions, you go back to Alabama with the hip. He missed time in 2021. He obviously missed time last year with the concussion. It's never about performance with this guy. In college and in the pros, he's always played at a high level. Are you going to have him durable? And is he going to be able to withstand 17 weeks of a grueling NFL season? I I know it's a lame cop-out with Tua. Like any anytime I watch the Dolphins, as giddy as I am, that's like the the million-dollar question that's in my mind. People, a lot of people spend the time with the concussions. I get it. It's severe, but durability. If he's durable, he's going to win a lot of games. Also, you got the Dolphins at plus 1,000 right now. Like I said, a lot of people are buying the height. They're saying they could be a, a historic offense. Do you think at plus 1,000, that's the best odds you're going to get on Miami? See, I think that's a good number on Miami. And to me, if you like the Dolphins this week against the Buffalo Bills, go grab that number. Because those odds are going to shift that much more. Now, if you don't like Miami in Buffalo, and remember, they have not won in Buffalo going all the way back to December of 2016. It's been a house of horrors for them. So if you think Buffalo and Josh Allen are going to win this game, maybe you want to sit tight and maybe you get Miami at like 12 or 13 to 1 at this time next week. Yeah, I like that. I like that plan of attack. Let's talk about the other in New York football team right now um, because that is also a storyline. We had Joe Namath on the front end talking bad about the Jets. Now we got Tiki Barber, you know, a, a, a giant legend talking about him. He said, quote, the Giants are showing a lack of effort. Let's start there. When you have a lack of effort, and that's the, the talking point, right? Fingers start to point at the head coach, Brian Dayball. What are our thoughts about the Giants right now? Obviously, they were the bell of the ball last year. They were this great story. Everybody was excited about everything Dayball was doing. Year two, not so much. He seemed frustrated on the sideline. Where do the Giants fans stand right now with where they are with their head coach? I think they're in wait-and-see mode. Listen, Brian Dayball, to your point, Tate, was the toast of the town last year. He did a fabulous job. They made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. Now, their first three games have not been particularly pretty. They got smoked by Dallas in week one. They spotted the Cardinals a 20-0 lead. They were fortunate to come back and win that game. And then, of course, they go to San Francisco and get outclassed by a better Niner team. These next four games, I think you're going to learn a lot about the Giants. They need to win the Seattle game on Monday night because if they don't, listen to this road trip. At Miami, at Buffalo. Back-to-back. If you get one of those games, it is a New York City Halloween miracle as far as I am concerned. And then, of course, the Giants will get ready for Washington. Then they have the Jets at the end of the month. So the Giants need to stabilize things. They're in the right conference. They're most certainly not in the right division. But they need to figure out how they can get some big plays in their offense without Saquon Barkley and those big plays that have been lacking in the passing game. Yeah, that second half against the Cardinals, a lot of people wrote it off, right? Because they said the Cardinals were tanking, the Cardinals were no good. Then the Cardinals go out and they beat the Cowboys. Are we looking at Danny Dimes a little bit differently now because of that second half? And the Cardinals look like they might be a better team than most people forecast them to be. Well, Tate, it's beyond necessary for the Giants that they had that second half and that Daniel Jones performed the way he did in that second half against Arizona. Because I think the panic meter from Giant fans would be in a different stratosphere at this point in time 
if they were 0-3 and they had a loss to the Cardinals with the Cowboys and with the Niners with that schedule they have coming up. Yes, Arizona's been a little bit better than advertised. But in that second half, Daniel Jones was able to go and make big plays down the field. I get it. Their protection has not been great. I understand that the San Francisco 49ers are going to force you out of your element and out of your comfort zone. But this offense, if you want to win in 2023, quarterbacks got to get the ball out of his hands quick, yes. Get the ball of speedy playmakers. But you also have to have that threat of being able to stretch the field. Something yeah. the Giants have got to do. Absolutely. And we'll see if Daniel Jones can live up to that lofty $160 million number. I don't know if he could ever do that, but Giants fans are hoping so. JJ, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can we find all your amazing work? Basically, Kate, they can't get rid of me at this place. That's what it boils down to. I'm everywhere.